Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, listen, they want me to say hello. Welcome to the James Well best bits of tonight's show. I wish you can hear every night, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio from 7 till 10. But I said, wouldn't it be best to call it the worst of whale? So have a listen. See what you think. Now, with me in the studio, Ilmarie Braun, uh, the mother of Eddie Braun, who has been having all sorts of problems, uh, which have been brought under control by the use of medical cannabis. Now, we spoke first a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Yes, it was. In 2018? Yep, that's yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and you managed to get medical cannabis, but you had to go to the States to get it? No, Holland we were. Oh, you went we to Holland, Holland to get it? Yep. Um, but you weren't really allowed to use it and there was no help or encouragement at that time. But things have got better, haven't they? On paper, things have got better. In reality, they still haven't really changed an awful lot for families like ours. There are still families going to Holland, living in Holland. There are still families breaking the law because although the last time we spoke it had just been legalised, access hasn't actually been made available through the NHS. We are now lucky and we have a private prescription so we're no longer having to travel. Um, but we're not actually really, you know, it's not a case that you can just mm. go to your doctor and get it. Now, I'm aware that you need to go to get a, a train back home. I do, yeah. Right, so just, just briefly outline yeah. Eddie's problems and then tell me how he is today. Eddie has intractable epilepsy. He has a number of other issues that are related, blind, cerebral palsy. They're all interlinked, but his biggest issue is undoubtedly the seizures, and we've never been able to control those. Now that he's on the prescription for medicinal cannabis, because it does have a little bit of THC in which the CBD didn't, mm. he has the best seizure control he's ever had. That doesn't mean he's seizure-free. He never will be. But we've he's not on any other medication anymore. He's alert, he's happy, he's learning. He has delays. He will always have those delays. But at the age of four and a half, he's learned how to sit up. That's happened in mm. the last few months. Mm. We didn't think we'd see that. And suddenly he's sitting up. And he's just, he's in a really good place. And today, by pure coincidence, marks our one-year anniversary of having to call an ambulance. Oh, and how much reduced, because I've heard it, it reduces a lot, the seizures. It does, yeah. And it's really... And they can be life, they, you can die from these seizures. Absolutely. I mean, the type... The type Eddie has every day, they're not life-threatening, but they're neurologically catastrophic. They're, the, mm. they're what's stopping his development. He has also developed the more physically dangerous kind where you do have to, yeah. you know, rescue medication, etc. And we haven't seen one of those mm. in a year. But other now, children I, might have died because of that. Absolutely, you know... They other, will have, probably. Children are dying all of the time, absolutely. Mm. Now, you've been to the Commons today. Yes. Uh, to ask about uh, when it's going to get easier, what have they said? 
Well, we, we were going really, we've been a number of times, you know, we've submitted letters to Boris Johnson, we've met with Matt Hancock last March. Today was all about saying, look, you need to stop... You know, we can't wait for all these things to be worked out over years. Please do something today. After um, after our sort of event, we did find out that Matt Hancock had agreed to meet with, um, you know, a couple of people, including Hannah Deacon, who's representing our families, and, and Peter from End Our Pain, as well as Mike Penning. Um, and he apparently said he will leave no stone unturned in trying Good. to resolve this. Mm. It's what no is the gar- problem? No right. So here we are, we have this medical cannabis, yeah. which is doing... Uh, Eddie, no end of good. It's not doing any harm. It's not doing any harm to anybody. What is their problem? The biggest problem is funding. Um, There is no funding. There's no centralised funding. So, for example, our NHS doctor did want to prescribe. He wasn't able to do so because the local trust wouldn't fund that. Why would they not fund it? Because they then refer in turn to the NICE guidelines, who in turn say there's not yet enough clinical evidence, we haven't done the trials. We Have need NICE to not listened to what is going on? Isn't, a- isn't absolutely, it they've met with us. They've met with and our they've families. Listened. Well, they put in the guidelines a little clause which said children like Eddie shouldn't be taken off it, which is not the same mm. as saying children like Eddie should be prescribed So are they it. trying just to be clever? Is there some sort of moral reason why the people who run NICE are not doing what is necessary. No, I think they're just following the protocol they've always followed. That you know, but if children are things... dying, they're messing around, and if they've already been tests around the world with Absolutely. you know good enough scientists, so just, if children are dying, they need to just. Do the emerge, sort it out, and do the tests. Oh, absolutely! After. There, is, there is so much evidence from around the world, and why we, within the UK, feel the need to conduct all of our own trials is mm. beyond any of us parents. So, what can we do? What, who can we embarrass uh, to to make this happen faster? Well, and is what you're getting and having to get it through Holland still? Yeah, is that good enough, or is there something that would be better that you aren't able to get? I don't know. I think this is a great product. Right. Um, uh, this is a really good product. There are other good products out there, and actually, that's what we need. We need a range of options um, because not all children mm. will respond to each. You know, different children will need different quantities. For have, example, of CBD and THC. I'm just aware that your yeah. time is. Have you been in touch with the drug companies who make this? We have been to Holland and we've good. met with the. Yeah. We we went to the pharmacy where this mm. where Bedrolite is made. Yeah. And are they in some way able to help your campaign? Yes and no. I mean, we're we're looking at other countries and and um, the the pharmacy in Holland who produces Bedrolite. Mm. They are now making their own trials, which would be great if if we were mm. you know if Nice would agree to use those. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. Let's talk to Chris Hobbs, who is of course a former Metropolitan Police officer, which uh, we have spoke to many times. Chris, good evening. Yeah, hi James. I can't believe this hasn't been done already, really. Well, it has. <laughs> yeah, well, there we are, yeah. I'm quite End surprised, of, actually, yeah. at the statement. Um, there are, uh, across the country, what's termed hazardous area response teams. So you have got specially trained paramedics that are trained to deal with um, exceptional situations, uh, including this one. Um, so, as I say, I'm a little puzzled. Maybe there's a case for extra training, but I think the real problem, and I think there were complaints, weren't there, that the um, it was 30 minutes on Sunday before the paramedics were allowed in to, yeah, yeah. to that area. To, and, and the same criticism, of course, was levelled at Manchester, Manchester Arena. Yeah. 
and that's under investigation at the moment. But that was in. Terms well, that was even longer. That was like an hour or an hour and a half or something. That's right. But of course, there is um, you know, it is a difficult situation because with Manchester Arena, of course, they they didn't know whether there were any more IEDs around, and the area had to be searched. All terrorists come to that yeah. by police um, mm. with dogs, which of course is extremely hazardous for those officers. Yeah, and the dogs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it, it's probably, you could argue, it's the same for incidents that happen on the street. You don't know whether it's a lone wolf. You don't know whether there's any devices hanging about. The armed officers that come in, are obviously their first um, intention is to make sure that area is safe uh, b- before allowing anyone. Because you can imagine, can't you, the actual the hullabaloo that will be created if you did get paramedics going in yeah. um, and they were stabbed, shot or, or blown to pieces. Mm, so, yeah, but I mean, the other day, I mean, uh, there was a guy, in fact, it's a guy who, who works here, Dave Chorney, he was waiting with uh, one of the stab victims for half an hour. Now, you can die from blood loss within five, ten minutes Easily, of being, yeah. being stabbed. Well, well this, is a, this is something that obviously is going to have to be... Is discussed. that because they wouldn't let them through the court? Yeah, they wouldn't, yeah. yeah yeah, and for the reasons I've just given. Yeah. Um, and, and you could well, I don't know what the inquiry will say in Manchester, but it may say that, yes, if, if medical help had got to some of the victims earlier, perhaps um, they could have been saved. But it's a difficult dilemma. Uh, it's something that's obviously going to be discussed between all the emergency services and whether things can be improved. Um, perhaps in an ideal world, you might want to send paramedic, these specially trained teams in with armed police officers. Exactly. Maybe that's the solution. Yeah, but of course the priority of the armed officers when they're rushing to something like that yeah. is, is to make sure the area is safe, unless you are more police but officers. But yeah, you get secondary armed officers who could have been there within 10 mm. minutes and then they could have gone with the paramedics. Yeah, I, I think really when you get armed officers coming to a scene like that, they, they really don't know what they're dealing with. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You, know, you don't know whether there's more terrorists, you don't know whether there's IEDs lying around and, and there's some of the um, people that have been on Twitter and some of them... Uh, ex-coppers who've actually been out to places like Iraq and Afghanistan and they will tell you that the, you know, the damage an IED can do um, you know, one of these you know, if they're attached to a person or otherwise yes. huge damage. They often put secondary radius. devices in for when rescuers come in as well. Exactly, yeah. exactly yeah. right, yeah, because sometimes it is a trap isn't it, to lure yeah. the emergency yeah. services in but it is something that I'm sure will be discussed at debriefs to see where, where they can improve. I mean, maybe we need to look at it the other way around and as Ash was saying, maybe what we need to do is uh, make sort of a basic paramedical training for a number of armed police officers. Well, they I'm are. I'm sure they've already got, yeah. They, yeah. they are highly trained. You've got police medics um, who, who are highly trained. Obviously, they've got a lot of equipment, not the same equipment as the paramedics, and all armed officers um, are trained because, obviously, should they, if they do shoot someone, and if they're not believed to be um you know to have a device strapped to them they will try and do their best uh for them in rendering first aid before the paramedics come so all armed officers are very very highly trained far more than um, than when i was a pc in fact first aid training for all police officers uh, because of the stabbings mm. and shootings is much improved than, than when i was in the police um, Chris, I think it's a, it's a good idea that a lot more is uh, is done to take care of those people who end up being uh, attacked and hurt by the terrorists. Um, and yet, the thing that always amazes me, and it amazed me this time as well in, in Streatham, uh, there are still people who feel sorry and sympathy for the terrorist. Yeah. Oh. Mm. 
well, this is this is the problem, isn't it? And this is the problem the government's going to face, I, I suppose, if they introduce this new legislation. It's that there is this school of thought, isn't there, that uh, it's not their fault, and, and it's the same school of thought that applies to um, people who stab people on the streets or shoot people. You know, the bottom line is it's not really their fault. They've had a bad upbringing. This has happened to them. That's happened to them. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a school of thought. It's one that you can argue. Um, but obviously, if you're a victim or if you're a police officer or a, an emergency service worker, having to deal with the aftermath of that, I, 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 you don't really get an awful lot of sympathy from, from those people for that, for that sort of train of thought. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. Right, let's talk to Nathan Yowell, who is Director of Progress at a movement of progressive Labour members. Uh, Nathan, good evening to you. What is a progressive Labour member? Oh, hi, James. That was great use of Alice Cooper, though. I love I Alice Cooper. I can't quite see walking down. Oh, you don't know. You don't know. <laughs> the room along to it, but you know. good, good, good use of the music. <laughs> so, basically, Progress... Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's an organisation that's been set up for the best part of 20, 25 years. Essentially, it was uh, for a lot of people who came into the Labour Party under Tony Blair. Um, so by progressive, I mean people who basically are committed to having a Labour Party that actually wins elections and can actually do stuff for people on the ground who need it. Why do you think uh, a large part of the Labour Party has become so dinosauric? Is that a word you could use? I don't know. No. Oh, right, OK. Uh, well, sort of archaic and in, in, yeah. the, in the Behind past. the times. Yeah. Uh, you mean that large part of the Labour Party <laughs> who uh, thought that Jeremy Corbyn was a good thing? And thought Rebecca Long-Bailey was going to be huge and uh, the, the, the crowds that listened to her speech, which was the most... I have to, I'm very sorry, I don't know the lady. Uh, was the most lacklustre, depressing speech I have ever heard a politician give. And then they all start cheering and shouting and whooping about it. Uh, well, actually, I think I, I would agree with you. So uh, one of the things about progress is essentially... We are very much on the... Uh, we're not fans of Jeremy Corbyn and the people who come in in his wake. Now hang on, hang so, on, Nathan. You must be careful about... So in fact, I spoke to one of your colleagues not long ago, um, and I've forgotten her name, but uh, she was, was actually... Henna? Yeah, Henna, that's right. Um, and she was very, very good. I, uh, I, I think you ought to be careful because apparently there's a lot of threats going on within the Labour Party if you don't agree with those who think that Jeremy was the saviour. Yeah. They're still uh, Corbyn well, enablers, aren't they? I'm one of those people who's put up with a lot of uh, nonsense. What do you mean by nonsense? Last couple of years. So I think since 2015, I've, yeah. I've never been a fan. I didn't vote for him in 15. I didn't vote for him in 16. I, I hated to say I, I was probably some siren voice in the run-up to last year's election saying that we were going to be on the wrong end of a pretty bad shoeing if, if Jeremy Corbyn was the leader. And, and what did they say when you suggested that? Pardon? What did they say, uh, other people in the Labour Party, when you suggested that? That I was a bleep bleep uh, sort of red Tory scumbag who should go and join the Tories because obviously I, 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 that's all I'm good for. Oh, dear. We, it's that we... level of playground, it's that playground level of um, conversation that we've, uh, we've excelled in at the last couple of years. Where are but those, back... just before we carry on, where have all those people suddenly come from in the Labour Party? And, I mean, sort of fairly thuggish behaviour from some people that I have spoken to. And really quite brutal um, as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, being, being a bit more serious for a second, mm. when Jeremy Corbyn was elected in 2015, there was, uh, obviously, Jeremy Corbyn in 2015 spoke a message of hope 
to people in the Labour Party and beyond. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying I, I heard it. Uh, and in a similar way in 2017, whilst compared to Mrs May, uh, Jeremy Corbyn came across as a more credible political candidate in that sort of quite topsy-turvy election we had in 2017. Mm-hmm. I, there are lots of genuine individuals who essentially want a better world and a better country, and they've seen that Jeremy Corbyn is the gateway to that. At the same time, I think this is where people like me, who've ended up being in almost trench warfare in the past couple of years, we need to, to, to remember, there have been quite proud uh, and avowed hard left wingers who have come into the party on Mr Corbyn's coattails. And uh, it sounds a bit more like 1920 than 2020, but you have people who are all about capturing control of the machine that is the Labour Party. And for them, it's control of that machine is more important than actually control of government and actually being able to do something worthwhile in the country. Mm. And actually, I think my take on where we are with Rebecca Long-Bailey, you can read in the papers about this faction or that faction around Mr Corbyn. There are people who, if Keir Starmer or Lisa Nandy or even Emily Thornberry becomes the next leader, who know that, quite frankly, their marching orders will probably be coming pretty quickly after that election result. So you actually now see some pretty, some pretty suspect activity going on where people trying to grab hold and keep hold of the positions they currently hold. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. You know, like, um, I don't hey. know. Boss. Hey everyone, how you doing? <laughs> this is James Whale. <laughs> so I'm going to reveal stuff about the BBC that will blow your socks off. Really? Yeah. Give us a little taste of it. No. Listen, Peter. They're losing them first. Hang on, just don't interrupt anymore. I'll send you out. So TV licensing. You don't have a license. We'd like to come in. No, you're not coming in. Why would you want to come in? Yeah. Well, no. Never let anyone in anyway for security reasons. Exactly. Oh. Well, you could watch it on YouTube, but then you've got to look at Mike Graham exactly, now. Yeah, yeah, who wants thing, to yeah. do that? Yeah, yeah. And you see, then I do them all And you could you. do it later on a competition just for Ash to enter. Yes. And your Ash might win a prize. Yeah. Uh, Julia B... Oh, it's not Julia, is it? Julia B. Oh, right, is that... Julia B. Oh, yeah, yeah. It is cold, isn't it? Someone's turned it down. Yeah, <laughs> you did it. No, I didn't Yourself, turn it down. Yourself, you flipping well did. That was uh, the clips for today, the worst of Whale, or sorry, sorry, the best of James Whale. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed them. Well, I suppose if you didn't enjoy them, you won't be listening, will you? Anyway, I'll be back 7 o'clock until 10, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio. Have a great day. Thank you for listening.